0: And we're back. It is Mile High Magazine Sunday morning. Hope you're having a good day. I am Murphy Houston. You know, there's a 30-minute documentary on Colorado's largest wildfire in history called Scarred Lessons from the Cameron Peak Fire. It's going to air at 6.30 p.m. on Friday, October 22nd. And over the course of three months, reporter Dylan Thomas and the CBS4 team traveled northern Colorado using field cameras, GoPros, a drone, a copter 4 to document the extensive impact and tell the stories of the resilient in the wake of the historic Cameron Peak fire. Now, joining me now from CBS4 is Dylan Thomas. Hey, Dylan, how are you?
1: You know, Murphy, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having us today.
0: Well, I thought it might be kind of interesting that for those that are moving into Colorado and you've been here for a long time, you know, every time you turn around, you see different license plates on (laughs) I-25. So there's a a lot of new people moving here may not know a doggone thing about the Cameron Peak Fire. So before we talk more about this documentary coming up, for those that aren't aware, tell us more about the Cameron Peak Fire.
1: You know, Murphy, uh, nowadays we're hearing a lot about the fires that are happening in California. But last year, a lot of the focus was really here in Colorado. We had a series of the largest fires in our state's history. And the Cameron Peak fire was actually one of those. It sat quietly burning. Uh, it started around August 13th. And then in a matter of a few months, it spread to be more than 208,000 acres up in Larimer County. There was actually some other fires that blew up to be the largest in state history. And then it quickly replaced them. So this was up in the Arapaho and Roosevelt National Forest area, which, if you know Colorado, it's kind of west of Fort Collins and right. the rustic area north of Estes Park, right in that area. Big Thompson, Poudre Canyon areas. And once again, 208,000 acres burned in just a matter of a few months. And at the same time, it's been a year later, and people still believe that this was human caused because there wasn't lightning in the area when that happened. So all points go back to the fact that humans probably caused the largest fire in our state's history.
0: That was never proven, though, was it? Not yet. Well, I'm sure they're going to keep investigating it when 200,000 acres go up. You know, if memory serves me right, Dylan, it kind of started off slow and you knew about it watching CBS 4 because you guys are right on it. But then it really, it got going, didn't it?
1: Yeah, it stayed around like 25,000 acres for the first few yeah. weeks. And as I mentioned a little while ago, it, the fires in the other parts of the states were actually the focus, not just on Channel 4, but on other stations and other uh, outlets as well. But I actually live up in northern Colorado, and it was you could still see the smoke coming from that area. And then suddenly, right around Labor Day, it just blew up. It went from 25,000 acres. It jumped more than 80,000 acres in just a couple days. And then once again, around October 14th or so, It made another 30,000-acre run heading east toward Fort Collins, and let me tell you, that was a very eerie scene, being able to stand near I-25 at nighttime, looking west toward the mountains, and seeing a fire that started nearly 50 miles away, inching its way toward Fort Collins. That was an eerie sight.
0: So what were the conditions, I would imagine, wind, obviously, that made that thing just blow up like that all of a sudden?
1: Yeah, a lot of it was the wind and also the uh, the trees that are in the area. We've done a lot of fire mitigation as humans in recent years, but at the same time, that ability to knock down other fires has rid of the uh, natural ability for those to wipe out the dead trees. So it's the mitigation that kind of caused, in a sense, more of the fire. There's a lot of dead trees, the beetle kill causing it, and then those really strong winds whipping from the west heading east really push the fire toward the metro area.
0: So, Dylan, tell us, at what point did you and the guys at CBS4 really start digging into this thing? I mean, it kind of was, like you said, you live up in that area. It's kind of lingering, and then it blows up. Is that when you guys thought? There's something going on here.
1: Yeah, so we definitely had uh, kept mention of it throughout the the fire last year. But then when it really started to blow up around Labor Day, we realized, you know, this is something we need to take seriously and really prioritize. There's people who are evacuating, heading toward Loveland and Fort Collins, filling up hotels to the point where they were actually having people stay in campgrounds because they didn't have enough places for people to evacuate to. So last year, uh, right when it started to blow up, is when we really started to ramp up our coverage on it. And ever since then, we've been realizing the impacts of this fire are going to continue for years to come, and we really saw that this year as well. We'll talk more about that.
0: I'm glad you went that direction. Talk about the impact of this fire on Colorado
1: yeah, so last year, obviously, with the two hundred eight thousand acres tragic for that area, hundreds of structures lost. I believe it was around five six hundred structures lost. Many of those were actually everyday homes that people uh, went home to at nighttime that were gone forever some people had actually built those homes by hand. So you can right. only imagine the the tragedy of losing oh. a property. With. No kidding. But all... at the same time, the impacts didn't just stop there. Once the fire eventually went out, the impacts are actually potentially going to be more devastating as we head after the fire. And we started to see that this year when we started to get the rain in the area over the summer, we saw the flash flooding that actually turned fatal. It was the flash flooding that actually killed the most people in this entire fire Four people killed in just one day when flash flooding caused a landslide up near Rustic. We're also going to see the impacts on water when it comes down to the quality. The landslides get in there. There's nothing to retain that water in the ground. So there's all this sediment and the soot that's going down in the water. And it gets to the point where millions of people use the Poudre water for drinking. But now they have to shut off those intakes because it's so uh, filled with muck. And then at the same time, there's plenty of businesses that work along that stretch that rely on the river for their seasonal business. And the second that water floods, it's a whole different ballgame.
0: Well, and there was a lot of structures, too, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. Around 500, I believe, 500, 600. And I think it was around two to 300 of those were homes.
0: So what are those people doing up there now, a year later? How are they surviving?
1: We actually spoke with one individual who he was one of the firefighters, a volunteer firefighter who was helping knocking down the blaze last year while his very own home was burning. And he couldn't go and save it because he was helping other people. He told us that he couldn't. Uh, put himself back to rebuilding his house right now because now it looks like the surface of the moon where he lives it's not the beautiful serenity that he originally wanted to build his house on so he's going to take some time off and let it regrow others bouncing back rather quickly already starting on that process of rebuilding as we speak
0: well and what about the air quality i think it might have been you talked about the toxic air quality up around uh, all that Greeley, denver area for a long time wasn't there
1: Yeah, we had COVID-19 with people wearing masks indoors, and suddenly you had a reason to wear them outdoors as well. It was uh, very crazy standing there at the evacuation center, which was in far eastern Loveland near the fairgrounds, and people wearing masks. And it would be 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it would look like it was dark outside with this red plume over the entire region, ash falling like snow from the sky, landing on cars covering windshields. So people actually were trying to go indoors so that they could avoid the air quality that was outside.
0: Man, that's just some scary stuff. Now, have you been up there recently? Are things starting to grow back, the green coming back to that
1: area? I actually have. I'm actually Denver's only reporter, the Denver market's only reporter who lives up in northern Colorado by choice, and it's so that I can get in the outdoors like that. And so while shooting this documentary, I've spent the last three or four months – traveling up the Pooter Canyon, up the Big Thompson Canyon, and there are signs of new life. Obviously, the trees are charred. There's a very clear burn scar. But as you drive through, the grasses are returning. The flowers are returning. Those early signs of life that the region is recovering on its own. But at the same time, it's going to take, some say, up to a decade before we really see a healthy landscape in that 208,000 acre burn scar. Unbelievable.
0: And how much was that uh, was beetle? Was that a real problem with those trees? Did they let the trees burn a little more because they were beetle-burned?
1: I know that was a a big issue in some chunks of the forest. And the sheriff, Larimer County Sheriff Justin Smith, had mentioned they knew, while many of us at home who aren't fire experts were sitting at home thinking, oh, it's just a small fire up near Cameron Peak. They knew if they caught one bad day of wind that it could catch the beetle kill and this thing could take a run, and that's exactly what happened. Wow, it's
0: crazy. So did all of this, all your covering, all the the length of the fire, the, the immensity of the fire, is this what kind of promoted your interest in doing this 30-minute documentary?
1: In a way, yeah. You know, like I said, I live up in northern Colorado, and one day I was out on my day off taking a stroll, and I looked up toward the hill where I remember last year walking and seeing the plume coming from the mountains. I was like, you know what, we're almost a year from when this started. And I remembered the huge dark skies going over my house. And I was like, I wonder what the impacts are to this day. And that's what really fueled this uh, documentary that we've put together for CBS4 it was often an idea of, you know, like, it's been a year. I wonder what's happened since then. And little did we know that once we started digging and realizing that there was more to this story, that the impacts are actually long lasting, the fire itself. And that's when the story kind of unveiled itself is when we realized The fire happened last year. That was devastating. But the community up in northern Colorado and specifically Larimer County is going to be impacted by this blaze for many years after the fire went out.
0: So you come up with the idea with the documentary. How long ago was that that you thought we need to do more with it? Was it a year ago, eight months ago? Because you had to do a lot of a lot of groundwork and interviews, didn't you?
1: We did. Yeah. And what happened, I was on that walk in my neighborhood when I thought of the idea at the end of June. And uh, by the First or second week of July, we were already out shooting one of our first stories talking about the trails and how they were devastated by this fire. Not only did the ground kind of get ruined by the heat of the fire, but all these trees are toppled over the trail. So we went up there with volunteers who are out there clearing the trail so that everyday Coloradans can get out there and once again enjoy. So it went from an idea to an actual process of shooting a documentary in a matter of just weeks. Oh
0: my goodness. And I was curious. I never heard much about this. but I'm sure you must have some background. We heard about the trees and what's burned and the water problem. What about wildlife? Did it change the
1: wildlife in that area? It sure did. And obviously it's pretty hard to document the impacts to the wildlife on land. But one thing they can't easily track, Parks and Wildlife officers, is the fish. And we know by anybody who went up there or saw the stories from the flooding that happened in July, that water looked like it was straight out of the scene from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Someone <laughs> described it as oil sludge running down the river. Oh, geez. And the fish simply can't see where they're going, and they, therefore they can't uh, nab up flies, different things like that. So they kind of resort to going off to the banks, and then the sediment gets in their gills and oh. suffocates Wow, that so is quite literally suffocating the fish that are helping that entire ecosystem thrive. And so, you know, uh, this past week, Parks and Wildlife offices were up there, and they do this thing called fish shocking, where they shock the fish in order to grab them, take account of how many in the area. And from there, they can see that there was a quite drastic drop-off from the population just last year.
0: Oh, that's, that's tragic. And that's just the fish that are having an issue. What about the rest exactly. of the wildlife? Are they just gone?
1: And luckily for, like, elk, things like that, and uh, the— the rams that are up there they have a natural instinct to flee so many of them were able to run away but uh we are yet to see the impacts of the smaller wildlife that maybe couldn't outrun that fire when it was growing 80,000 acres in just two days oh my gosh
0: that's horrible any stories that you can remember that really stood out as you're kind of going wow
1: that happened up here kind of thing well one of them for sure was the uh the fatal flooding that happened in july i was the first reporter up in northern colorado to get access to that black hollow road area where four people tragically lost their lives and let me just tell you it was incredible to lay eyes on quite literally tens of thousands of trees piled up in one little area with a refrigerator a car a house smashed in between it That was really sobering to see. But at the same time, you get the opportunity by driving through this region to see how the community is coming together, not only for each other, but also for the region. As we were talking about earlier, they have this ability to adapt and change the region. The uh, whitewater rafting companies that are up there in northern Colorado, they decided they were going to start their little own outdoor bar area in Fort Collins so that they had a non-seasonal income so they can still combat when they have to shut down their business due to flooding. uh, Fishing companies that are used to going Going up there and guiding people in the rivers that are now flooding they're now trying to focus their business on lake fishing to still make ends meet and then there's also the water impact where the uh, city of Greeley for example they have many people who need water from the Poudre River but when they shut down that intake they didn't have any access to water so they struck an emergency deal with nearby Horsetooth Reservoir and were still able to give that drinking and irrigation water to all of their residents so it's all about the community coming together giving back to not only the region, but also to their peers to make sure everyone can make through it for the next few years.
0: Isn't that Colorado, though? That's how we work here, isn't
1: it? It Exactly.
0: Well, listen, uh, we're talking with uh, Dylan Thomas, by the way, from CBS4. You got the big documentary coming up. Talk more about it. When does it air and uh, how can people learn more about it?
1: So, this has kind of been my baby. I've been working on it largely by myself for the past few months. And it's going to be a 30 minute documentary that's actually going to be airing on CBS 4, which is on the 22nd, that's a Friday, at 6.30 p.m. We encourage everybody to tune in Friday, October 22nd, 6.30 p.m. for a 30-minute show. And if you're not near your TV, we have this beautiful streaming platform called CBSN Denver. You can simply just go to CBSDenver.com and watch it live at 6.30 p.m. on the 22nd.
0: It's called Scarred Lessons from the Cameron Peak Fire. Hey, Dylan, thanks for going on Mile High Magazine with us. Congratulations on this. I'm going to be watching that one myself, buddy, when it comes on.
1: Murphy, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you bet, for sure. Thank you guys for listening. It is Mile High Magazine, and we'll be back next Sunday.